What is up, everyone? Welcome to L2R2 PlayStation Podcast. My name is Fonzie. I'm joined by my co-host from across the pond, Callum Monroe. Callum, you survived. You're stronger now, better than ever. How you been? Yes, I survived my uh, brush with death. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, feeling good. Feeling uh, it's, it's quite nice sometimes when you feel ill for a while because you kind of, it's like a fresh start. You know, I kind of took for granted feeling well. So yep. uh, yeah, still, like I said before, I still got a little bit of like, uh stuffiness in my in sort of my nose and my sinuses but feeling much better head's much clearer i can concentrate now so should uh should be good hopefully nice yeah the one time i had uh food poisoning uh really bad once i was like the only time i had it where it was like i thought i was gonna die a couple years ago and the whole time i kept just like thinking you know flashing my life backwards and thinking like oh as soon as i'm ready i'm gonna go and run and hike and take my health seriously and just like because you do take it for granted where you can't move around like it sucks so yeah. there is a there's a glory period where you do remember that feeling and then it goes back to you just stop caring about yeah. doing anything and you go back to normal but yeah 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 food I, on that sort of subject it's funny with, with food poison i've only had it once as well but i don't know about you but before i had it i was always like oh i feel like maybe i've got food poisoning or like right. or something like that like you know if you've got like a sore stomach or maybe you've had like a slight intolerance or like something to what you've eaten but then you get food poisoning and you're like okay i've never had this before yeah this is serious stuff yeah it's not good uh, yeah that's uh you know you said earlier like how covid compared to think i think food poisoning is one of the worst things i've ever yeah it's not not nice at all lots of gory details that I could go into which i definitely won't <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've, I've been there man i've lived it too yeah. so it just sucks um yeah i've luckily never like also had to go to the emergency room for anything crazy like i've never broken a bone or anything nuts i don't know if i've already asked you that but have you uh nothing i mean i've broken my nose a few times and like i've gone uh to the emergency room for that just because um healthcare is free uh, <laughs> and also, nah, mostly yeah, just because I, 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 it's always kind of like when when it's your nose, you you sort of hear like horror stories of like thing like things going wrong with mm. with it. I, I guess because it connects your breathing and everything. But yeah, nothing like major. I mean, there's been stuff mostly when I was like younger and more stupid, like like a little kid, and yep. you're, like you're just doing stupid stuff. Um, but yeah, luckily, not really anything uh i guess that there was one time actually when i worked at um a bar uh, and i was polishing a wine glass um and the stem like snapped and i like Ooh. pushed the stem into my wrist Ooh. um and so I, I was very lucky not to you know hit anything main but there was a lot of blood and uh yeah big gaping hole in my wrist which um, <laughs> which was fun but other than that yeah I, it, i'm pretty lucky it's normally niggly stuff that i'll still moan about and make out that it's really right. bad but uh yeah no not don't have to <laughs> never had to go to emergency too often that sucks yeah we well, you reminded me with the putting that wine glass through your arm through your hand um i think one of the first times i went to a bar um i was i had got a cigarette from somebody and i was smoking and i had no experience smoking so to put it out i put it out on my palm Cause I feel like I saw that in a movie or something that was cool. <laughs> yeah. And I like, if anybody was watching me for that split second, they would have seen the, <laughs> my face and then really play it off. Like, Oh, I didn't, I did that yeah. every day. And I just kind of flicked it yeah. away, but I was like, Oh man, I messed up. And then I put the whole it, day just like, Oh, this is crazy. Kept. How, how like much our pain threshold can increase if we're trying to play it off. Like, yeah. There's, there's been a few times where uh, something's happened and 
it's been super super painful because i'm trying to play it off it's just like nothing's happened at all is uh, yeah it's pretty incredible how how far we can go to save face just uh, uh, for fear of embarrassment yeah but that's an interesting way of uh putting a cigarette out <laughs> yeah never again i learned after that you don't do that <laughs> you find the nearest dry bush and you flick it in there and then you and that's how you do it yeah and you cause a fire so <laughs> that's, that's how i was told to do it but yeah yeah okay we took some time off and uh meet back again some stuff has happened with PlayStation. It's been pretty wild lately, but um, we can jump. Uh, I want to jump into that. But have you had, I don't know, through COVID, if you had the energy to play some games, if you caught up on stuff, or what did you play in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's pretty much all I did um, was play games during, they got me through it. Um, uh, yeah, I've been playing, so continuing to play Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition, now on the third one. Damn. Um, so managed to get through the second one and uh experience the the sort of dlc characters and some additional stuff that i didn't get to play the first time around um which was cool um and yeah playing through the third one now again lots of additional content that i've missed out on uh previously so that's sort of nice um and uh i've also been playing a lot of battlefield 5 which is i know it might sound really strange oh yeah um yeah i've been playing some of that mostly because i I tried 2042 and it's uh, awful. Um, so, I was say. Uh, Battlefield 5 is kind of that way to, you know, I, I kind of had like, it kind of gave me like an itch to play Battlefield when 2042 was coming out. So I had to get it elsewhere. Um, but that's been good. That's been uh, really fun as well. So, other than that, I've been, you know, messing around with maybe some other small things, playing some Crusader Kings 3 again. Uh, which I seem to get re-addicted to um, every now and then. But yeah, other than that, mo- it's been mostly mostly Mass Effect, that's for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, how much time did you get to spend with 2042? Was it obvious that it was bad or not what you wanted? Because I know across the board that reception has been just not positive from fans. Yeah, I tried playing it when it was released and it was just pretty much unplayable, like uh, rubber banding and just really, really poor performance issues. Um, and then that all got, sort of sorted and um i got like my internet sorted out as well um and i had some had some fun with it um i think the main problem for me is the 128 player sort of the focus on that uh, and also the the inability to kind of change game modes like like you can't just jump into like a team deathmatch for example you can't Mm. it's that you you play the game modes they kind of choose for you which I think is just bizarre. Um, and there's, but there's lots of strange choices like that, like the fact there's no scoreboard and no stats for you to look at or anything. Um, but yeah, the, I think the only thing I've really enjoyed with it is the 128 player conquest matches. Cause it's very obvious that, that the maps are designed for these big, large scale, uh, battles and, uh, conquest is, is good for that because it spreads that, you know, huge amount of players around these huge maps so it's never too overwhelming or anything um but yeah it's just there's just i'm not sure what it is about it it's just not i just don't enjoy it the maps are, are mere the gun plays really uh you know hit and miss and uh, there's not many guns which is crazy when you compare it to games like battlefield 3 and 4 which are you know also modern modern games so they don't have the yeah. excuse that battlefield 1 and 5 had where it's, oh, there's not as many guns back then um yeah, it just reeks of half-assed um, trying to, uh, you know, 
get everyone's money um and the fact mm. that it's so it feels like a free-to-play game with the fact that they're not releasing new content till the summer and there's hardly any content in it as it is it's got battle pass and all this nonsense uh it just doesn't sit right that we have to pay to 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 have it especially when it came out around the same time as halo which had these pretty much the same issues you know lack of game modes and lack of progression uh, and things like that um and it was just night and day you know the fact that halo was free for everybody and battlefield wasn't and yet halo you know played much better as well um so yeah it's it's just a massive disappointment um and yeah it's uh it's a real shame because it, it seemed to me like you know how could this possibly go wrong it's a modern battlefield game uh, and they managed to you know, screw it up still somehow so it's uh it's impressive from from that that perspective yeah i've been uh watching on on twitter some of the reception from uh for me themselves like they had various um um investor meetings and stuff and they're just not happy with the the sales of it and also just the reception from uh, the take from fans that have on it uh, i know there was an issue with the zombie mode that they went in live for a very short amount of time and it was so buggy they had to stop it and they had to postpone other dlc and other content down the line so it's it's tough because yeah you think on paper this should have been just uh, a huge success people wanted this them to return to this you know modern day and they did and it's just uh problem after problem so it's a yeah. bummer and i wonder how long it's going to take for them to bring it back to life maybe they can by the summer and it's a success story or people have just moved on to the next thing i'm not sure yeah. well i mean it, it looks like um a lot of people are going back to battlefield 5 which is seeing <clears throat> quite a resurgence as well i think the main the the the, the issue because i'm playing battlefield 5 on the xbox because it's on game pass um and because it's not cross-play, obviously the servers aren't as full as maybe you'd expect, but you can still find a game easily. And the fact that Battlefield 5 has been out for so long, it's you know pretty well-polished now and all the content's now in it and, and everything like that. Um, so it's definitely getting a resurgence, um, which is you know it's good for it. Because I think a lot of people stopped playing Battlefield 5 because it had a dodgy release as well. Mm. Um, I actually remember enjoying it when it came out. I, but I, I stopped playing it for whatever reason. So it's nice now to see lots of people maybe going back to Battlefield Five and realizing that there is a really good game in there. Um, so I guess that's a silver lining. But you know, you should never praise praise it because that, in essence, that's the previous game. So that right. shouldn't be getting better numbers than the new entry. So it's uh, it's a bit bizarre. And I know people are kind of praising Battlefield Portal, which is a cool idea. But again, it's just that's not what. You know, we want it's not it, it feels tacked on which obviously it is um and it's just yeah it, it kind of exaggerates how bad the main game is even more so when mm. people are kind of trying to tell you to play portal which is you know these old battlefield games so um yeah it, it's it, it's 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 insane how you know much they've dropped the ball it, it kind of seems like it, it was harder to do than to make it good if that yeah. makes sense um right. I just yeah i mean i just don't know how they can uh, considering their track record of like battlefield 4 i just i really didn't couldn't foresee them messing this one up but they really have and they've gone out their way to mess it up by adding mm. things that are bad to it rather than just sticking to what they're good at and uh yeah it's a it's a real shame but you know it's an opportunity like it like it is with all these games we see that come out and then you know like rainbow six siege is a great example of a game that released and was you know slated by the fans and now it's like one of the top multiplayer games so it's always an opportunity to 
make things right but at the moment it's very raw and very fresh and they've done nothing to you know give anyone's hopes especially with their recent update saying that there's not going to be any new content till the summer yeah um so yeah it's just not not good not good at all but um but yeah i, I guess silver lining is i've been i've been sort of tempted back to battlefield 5 and i've been really enjoying playing that that's good yeah um that I wonder if they could kind of get some of that. They could ease players by if it was a free-to-play thing. That could kind of ease the burn of the uh, issues it's having at launch and kind of pushing the some of the content back. But they went, you know, full release, and it's only multiplayer, it's no single player. That's a whole thing too. Um, but yeah, we'll watch it. Maybe they start to improve it. Uh, we'll see. To switch gears, we had a comment on the stream um, from ZZ Ufad saying uh, for for Callum, if you've played that Tina, Tiny Tina Wonderland, that it was a PS Plus game. I thought they were actually, when they announced that, this was for this month. I thought it was going to be the new Tiny Tina, but that's actually next month. But this is that DLC that came out for the original or for Borderlands 1 or 2. Uh, did you jump into that? Did you see that was a PS Plus game? Yeah, I um, I played, so as you know, I love Borderlands and played uh, originally through Borderlands 2 um, a, a long, long time ago. But I think for everyone, it stuck out as like a really great uh, DLC just because it was so funny, such a cool idea and and was really different as well to like the normal kind of experience from Borderlands. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I saw that they had released it standalone, I guess, to try and get more people um, to, to sort of play it before the new one came out. And I bought it straight away because I think it was like £10 or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, I haven't jumped back into it yet, but um, I definitely will before the new one comes out, which I believe is in March, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah, I want to say it's next like month, than, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm so excited uh, for that. But yeah, I haven't replayed it um, since it was re-released, but um, I think it's a really cool idea that they they did that because as with most um, DLCs for games like that, you have to be a very high level before you even start it. So I think it's a really good way of letting people play this before the second one comes out because otherwise you'd have to put hours and hours into Borderlands 2 Right. before you could even get to it so uh, so yeah no, i haven't played the standalone version but uh, i definitely will before uh, the second one comes out yeah this one's interesting and that's a good reminder for me to download it because i saw that that was uh that was one of the ps plus games and i do want to try this although i'm more inter- interested in that newer release it seems like they're taking this idea and building on it running with it creating its own you know um, actual campaign based on it but people love this this DLC and uh, I just haven't had much experience with Borderlands, but it is cool. And especially like three passed me by, but I do want to jump into that Wonderland that's coming out next month. Yeah. Yeah. And I know they released a gameplay trailer for it recently, which I, I haven't watched actually, but I'm really interested to see how it works. Cause I know that it's going a lot more, it's going even further into the fantasy kind of aspect of it. Um, uh, the, the sort of high fantasy stuff, which although there was lots of it in the Borderlands 2 DLC at, the end of the day it was still borderlands 2 so it was still very much the 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 same you know base game as that so i'm really you know intrigued to see how they're gonna be there you know it's going to be kind of unleashed that they can really focus on uh you know lots of things that separates it from borderlands which will be really exciting and um i think i've I've said lots of times uh, on here before that it's one of the only games where the writing's actually genuinely funny um, yeah so I'm really, yeah, really, really excited for that. It's probably, yeah, one of the, the the top games I'm looking forward to this year. Yeah, I think by then, I mean, uh, we talked to a little bit about uh, for Horizon Forbidden West is coming out the 18th. So you'll have a little bit of time, I think, before that one releases. But that's going to be a meaty game on its own. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of stuff launching. And then I don't, I don't know if you have any interest in Elden Ring, but that's at the end of the month, too. It's just a lot dropping all at once. 
is, yeah. Um, I, in fact, I had to make the decision between Horizon and Dying Light 2, which has just come out as well, which, I, again, I completely forgot was even coming. And um, I, I had a sort of a weird feeling about it just because of the delays, and I, I felt like it hadn't really been marketed much. Uh, or maybe I just completely missed that it was coming out this this early. But um, but that, that actually looked great, and I've heard really good things about it. Um, so... There's a lot of big, chunky open world games coming out. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to, I'll get Horizon. Um, I managed to recap myself as well with the story of the first game. So I'm actually really excited for it now. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just, it's going to be difficult because uh, as you know, we mentioned before we started, there's a lot of games coming uh, thick and fast. Um, yep. But with, with, with Elden Ring, I, I probably won't play it just because those games give me a headache. <laughs> Yeah, they're too hard for me. But um, speaking of Dying Light, that's what I've been playing this weekend, Dying Light 2. Um, So I've been playing it on PC, um, really just so I could play with with Gavin, um, because he's also just a PC player. But... um, with my 3080 uh, that I have is now uh, now as well. I wanted to kind of you know push everything, and this game runs really great. Like looks uh, really really good. Um, I'm really surprised at just the foliage. It's like foliage on foliage on foliage. Everything it is growing and moving and swaying in the wind. Looks really good. Um, the actual open world itself just looks beautiful. You can see you know super far in advance, and then the actual like skyboxes or hills around you have this like autumn look to them, and then there's just the kind of gritty fictional you know city that you're running around in um it's really fun that the actual movement itself is probably the funniest funnest part for me is just the kind of mirror's edge type of running around and jumping off stuff and kind of linking these movement combos almost um the actual combat is fun too it's really focused on just like the first one with just like in your face you know combat melee combat that's really dope um the actual story itself is not very interesting and the dialogue is at times really really bad if you do jump into this i want to hear your take on the dialogue it's just like terribly bad and so i'll just find myself just yelling at the tv or just making fun of just how cringy it is but the gameplay itself is is really really fun and just satisfying to run around and upgrade your stuff and whack at these uh zombies but also the humans that you fight are pretty interesting where they will They'll dodge, they'll attack, and they'll kind of almost change the way they're attacking so you can't just rinse and repeat. You have to like react to what they're doing. Um, but uh, they also, with the progression of like unlocking your abilities, because you have to lock, unlock various, um, whether it's combat abilities or traversal stuff, it's really slow. So you have to kind of, you feel like you earn it when you get it and you're just like slowly chipping away, but um, it's a blast. Um, I've been having, I'm about like 10, 12 hours in now and it's very fun. Yeah, I think I'll um I'll definitely pick up at some point. I I love the first one and it sounds like, you know, the criticism I've heard there's criticisms about the the story and uh and everything, but I think from what I've heard it sounds similar to the first game where I didn't think that the story was very good and it was very, you know, pretty generic and like you said the dialogue's a bit iffy. But it was the, you know, the side quests that were very open-ended and they, they would kind of chain into other things and i've heard that it's similar in this one where the side quests are actually the better part of the the kind of uh you know narrative experience which um is you know fine i think in a game like that you don't really need to worry about the story i mean it, it games like like fallout 3 for example like the main story is short and not massively interesting but it's the side stuff and the environmental you know stuff that really sticks with you so i think that's the most important thing and and like you mentioned as well i've, I've heard that the, the the sort of leveling up and the, the abilities you unlock are very you know 
well thought out and they really make a difference so i think that that i think it sounds like it's it's got the most important things uh sorted um i remember i, I played the first game all in daylight i, I did not play it yeah. at night uh at all except for the missions you have to and uh yeah it looks like i'll be doing that again because it looks horrifying uh, at night but i mean i i i, I guess I'll, I'll probably feel bad doing that so maybe I'll, I'll try it but yeah from what i've seen it looks horrifying have you been playing it much at night or um as far as like in the world running around at night is what you mean right because yeah there's yeah. the thing that is though that they will balance um these areas where these buildings have a, a lot of like high-end loot but they're only or they're easier at night because right. all the zombies will leave into the actual yeah. world so that's the time to do it but then you have these just like crazy beefed up zombies in those buildings so it's just like risk reward thing but it is pretty terrifying. I haven't, I remember in the first game you could, I don't know why you would do this, but you had an ability to press a button and look behind you for a split second yeah. to see that zombie just like right yeah. barreling towards you. But I haven't figured out how to do that in this game. But I, I found myself enjoying that in the in the last game where yeah. I could see yeah. who's right it's behind, but you could hear him. If I remember to slow things down as well, so you can kind for of second, just, yeah. just get your bearings, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I, I hope they've, they're still in there. I would imagine I just haven't found it or, or whatever, but you do have an option to it's it's like triangle or Y where you can you can reverse yourself instantly, but then you're running that direction. So that's the only way I've been able to do that. But then you're running towards them to just turn yeah. around quickly. But um, it's very fun. And uh, when I brought the story, it's like uh, I played the first one as well. And I, lo I loved it. But that story was the same. It was very um, just clunky and cringy. And so I expected that same idea with the second one. Until I heard that they had the writer of. I want to say it was Fallout New Vegas. He was tied to it, and I think he ended up getting canceled for some Me Too stuff, but they had this high-caliber writer at the time, so I'm like, okay, at least the story is kind of beefed up this time. But it's the same kind of just cringiness. It's like, I don't know what he did when he was there besides get himself canceled, but he didn't like improve the story at all. And so yeah. it's just very strange to me. Yeah, it, it could be a shame. Um, but yeah, I think like you said, it's, it's not the end of the world of games like that. And I know that they've focused, or from what I've seen, on the choices and things, because uh, I know that was a big part of like the marketing, but I haven't actually heard too much about that, so I don't know if that is something that really, you know, whether it was one of those things that they say is going to be like this, but when the final product's out, it's a little bit lesser, and I think that was maybe something people assumed, because it did seem a bit too good to be true um, with a lot of it, but yeah, is there, has that actually been executed well, or...? So far, um, I have had a couple of decisions that let you make, um, you kind of align with different factions and there's at least two, so you can decide one of them. And it does change the environment a little bit as far as like, um, you can have it so you side with one group for various decisions. And so that area that you're in would have different things changed to it, like maybe more a stuff for traversal. So it's easier to run on the rooftops. Or if you go with another a group who's more of like a militia, they might have more traps that you can use to your advantage. So it just kind of changes the environment slightly. But um, I notice in dialogue, there's options to choose what you say, but usually it ends up being, if you go with the second option, you say it, okay, cool. And then you go back to the original one that they want you to say. So it's like a, it almost kind of makes you think you're making a change or a decision, but it's really just they're funneling you down the same story. But a lot of the advertisements and, and hype for the game were that they were revamping that and it was going to really change how the story unfolds. And I was kind of getting excited for that, but it's it's just back to the standard. You know, or when there's like different endings for a game, it's like good, bad, and usually that's it. Or maybe there's a, a vague one, but it's just back to that same formula. 
Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I I think there was we is something we could probably see a mile a mile off with, because it it did seem very uh like too yeah like too good to be true when they were they were talking about it. But again, I think the the reason Dying Light is so good is because of the things that they sound like they've done really well again. So I guess that's the the most important thing because you know no one it's not like anybody really wanted a massive new kind of uh mechanic to the game uh like these choices that completely change the world it's, it's not really i think anything that people were asking for with dying, yeah. dying light it's not like the world was the the you know the the biggest key part of the first game so um so i guess it's not not that much of an issue that it doesn't quite uh work out as as they kind of said it would yeah, that's where I'm at because even the as leading up to this game, I love the first one. I didn't play much of the DLC. They they supported it for like eight years. It's nuts how much stuff they put into that game. But I played the original when it came out and loved it. And so I just wanted the same kind of experience. So if they didn't really change anything, if they just give you a new area with the same kind of movement and stuff, then then I was happy. And this is doing basically that, but they're improving on some combat stuff and movement stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's what I want, but some of the hype beforehand from, from a uh, tech land saying they're revamping the story and blah, blah, blah. just, it didn't end up being that, but I was fine with it not being there to that caliber. Um, but there's a thing I noticed it's a common trope in games and I just, I'm, I'm over with it. And I wonder why they continue to do this, but it's something where and it's in fallout. It's in Skyrim. Uh, it's prevalent in a lot of um, these story-based uh, games where you're kind of walking into an area and there's NPCs that just, they just start blabbing about their personal life, but it's like, I don't, I don't know who you are. And they're just yeah. like, they're standing. It's like, Oh, I'm thirsty or Oh, my dog died. It's like, okay, who are you? And I just walk by them. And it's a, they're just constantly yeah. ready to like spill any information. And it's just very unnatural. And I wonder why they keep doing that, making that decision. Yeah. yeah I think there's, there's some games that do it really well. I think for the amount of like crap, no, you just get, uh, I, I, I do find that, you know, the, their kind of, the, the kind of environmental like dialogue and stuff is is pretty good and um and uh, mass effect as well which i'm playing through at the moment i always find is it, it is very topical um kind of the, the kind of dialogue that you hear and, and i guess because of the kind of character you are in in mass effect in particular it's easy for the dialogue to be aimed at you as well because you're kind of like a famous mm. character but yeah i think you're right i think skyrim is a big one uh where it's just like Really, like you just hear the same line barked like mm-hmm. every time and it's just a, a really stupid line that doesn't mean anything but yeah i think that that's definitely something that some places do right and some places don't do quite right and uh yeah it can be pretty obvious when when it goes one of two ways yeah or i would love some kind of mechanic where if i see an npc if i look at them maybe we give each other a nod and then if i stick around we go into a conversation, something that's more natural yeah. as like real life. Yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's insane to me. And another thing that happens uh, a lot in this game is when you go into these cities where people are doing stuff, if you stop for a second and actually look at them, there's somebody like hammering a piece of wood forever. They just keep doing that. Another guy welding this thing forever. And I get it. They want it to feel like it's lived in, it's alive. But if you're not, if they, I guess the game just wants you to keep moving and not pay attention, even though yeah. they're there. So if you stop and look at them, it falls apart. So how about have people maybe leave the area, walk around. I get that that's complicated animations, but if you start yeah. to look at it as they want you to, you realize it's just the same thing repeating. It's strange to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I think you're right in that it's probably a game that's expected to be played in a certain way. So when you play it in the way it's not meant to be expected that it can, you know, these, these kind of cracks can show, but, 
Um, yeah, I, I think it is. I think you do get that problem sometimes with games where you are expected to play in one way. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, I guess it's something that we'll hopefully see improved. I don't think there's many games of dying like size and scope where they probably do it quite. You know, I, I th- again, I think as much as they're, they're very cookie cutter in 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 most aspects, I think Ubisoft do really good jobs of that. Like Assassin's Creed, particularly mm. um, Assassin's Creed Origins, I really found the world to be just so brilliantly realized, and the cities just to feel so lived in, and and everything like that. To you know, from the the what the NPCs were t- saying, and and also just like the way they'd go about their business and stuff like that. So it can be done. Um, but yeah, I think perhaps in a game like Dying Light, where it is a lot faster paced, that's where all the attention and focus is going. And it is probably a little bit, you know, they've got to kind of spend their time on the places that, that mostly matter. But yeah, I know, I know what you mean, you know, sometimes these games are very laser focused in one way that the cracks can show if you don't want to play it that way. Yeah, it's uh, and I, you know, I give it crap, but I'm still having fun. It's just something that I noticed yeah. along the way. Yeah. And these are areas where they intentionally slow you down. You can't use combat. You're supposed to talk to NPCs and trade stuff. So they want you to slow down and look around, but they also don't want you to look around because then you see how it's the same copy and paste stuff and it doesn't make any sense. But I would rather, I know it's not a slider for game dev, but it's like, I'd rather you spend less time on ray tracing and making this world a thousand times bigger than the last world. It's like, doodle it down and just kind of improve these areas. And I, I would benefit from seeing that, you know, or just the AI itself being worked on and improved. It's, we don't have to get it bigger and bigger and have these flashy things like ray tracing being the, the focus, which is cool. It's fine, but I'd rather these other things have more attention on them, but it is what it is. And it doesn't break the game. It's just, it's funny. That's all it really yeah. is. It's funny and weird. Well, I mean, it's, it's easy to go back to like the new battlefield as well. It's like, They've spent so much time on these things that I mean, it's, it's maybe not comparable because Dying Light that hasn't done this in particular. But you know, Battlefield have focused on, and I think that's why it's so easy to be so disappointed with it. Is like they focused on things like 128 players. They focused on changing the class system completely with these operators and changing the way the game is played completely. And uh, they're all things that nobody asked for, and no, and it doesn't improve the game. And so and. You know, not to go off on a tangent, but it's just something I've remembered where I, 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 it was, I, can't, I kind of was thinking, like, well, what is it about uh, when I used to like Battlefield that, that I, I liked? And, and it was, you know, it felt like there was nothing else like it. You know, you'd know, you know what you're getting with the Battlefield game. And now they've kind of just tried to copy everything. You know, they're trying to copy uh like rainbow six and warzone and all these games of like operators and all these things that other games do and it's and by doing that and by changing it and by trying to be like other games they've made their own game worse um and yeah i think that that in in a lot of ways sometimes people do focus on things that aren't going to improve the game you know people are happy with you know what what you've done especially if it's in a series like dying like or whether that's battlefield or anything like that people are happy with the series that's why people are going to buy your sequel so you know don't worry about making like the scope much bigger or doing this or that because i know that some people will obviously moan you can't make everyone happy but like you said i think as well that it it, it you know makes a lot more of an impact when the little things that you notice like oh you know these guys really like this world feels so lived in and things right. like that because it 
if it, if it was like that, you probably wouldn't even notice it. You probably wouldn't even call it out as a good thing. But they're the kind of things that are harder to you know achieve. That the things that you don't even notice are sort True. of there. Um, so yeah, it is. But it can be difficult. You know, th there's there's lots of pressure from all sorts of people. Everyone likes different things about games, and um, at the end of the day, it's pretty much impossible to. To, to get it right <laughs> yeah yeah rarely does is there no issues you know from the community or everyone loves yeah. it no matter what and so it's a whole thing but but yeah i'm still having a blast and I'm gonna keep uh, chipping away this weekend um it's very fun so i'm gonna try and play as much as i can before uh horizon forbidden west comes out because that's my that's one of my highly anticipated yeah. games and it's coming soon it looks so gorgeous and man i can't wait cannot wait yeah. All right, Cam. Well, we've been blabbing enough. Uh, we got some crazy PlayStation news. So this one, first one we'll transition to was, uh, it's old now. It's about two weeks old, but it was huge and it affects yeah. PlayStation. So we'll talk about it. Pulled up some of that. At least the benefit now is we have some more info as for exactly when it came out. We're still in the dark and now we got some info. So we're talking about Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. This is on the 18th of January. So Microsoft uh, will acquire Activision Blizzard in an all cash transaction valued at $68.7 billion dollars. When the transaction closes, Microsoft will become the world's third largest gaming company by revenue behind Tencent and Sony. So I have some questions for you. Overall, do you think, is this kind of thing good for the industry? So we'll talk about it after this, but PlayStation acquired Bungie also. So now there's kind of this arms race for content now They as they possibly both you know are going to have their own uh, subscription services if it's tied to that. So is this good for the industry? Do you think this is a positive when you see this kind of stuff? Uh, honestly, I don't really know how to kind of feel about it just because i i don't understand like business <laughs> well enough to kind of feel like i have a uh weighty enough opinion on on it but in this particular case i think with the the stuff that activision have been going through internally i think it's a good thing because hopefully under new leadership and management a lot of the problems will hopefully be addressed um because not only because I'm not saying this like Microsoft are like some ethical moral company or anything like that at all, but you'd hope that such a like PR shitstorm that Activision have been in that Microsoft would want to from a business side address that straight away. Um, I haven't really looked into whether they are or not, but I think from that perspective, it's perhaps a good thing. Perhaps maybe liberating for the people who are kind of working there as well that they're on the new management and that may just the, the idea that maybe things are going to change um but again i don't know how that how it's going to work how you know whether it's even going to change how activision operate whether it's just you know a kind of like we now own you we're, we're gonna you know take a big chunk of all the money you make kind of thing from microsoft but um yeah i i I know a lot of people are saying, oh, it's like monopolizing the industry or whatever, but for me personally, I don't, apart from Call of Duty, obviously it's, it's a big, I mean, the, the, yeah, they're big games that Activision make, but I think the, the kind of games that are now being played are just so diverse and lots of different games now. I think that just because Activision are a big name and they've got big franchises under their belt, I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world. And I know that the timing with Bungie as well, which I'm sure we'll get into, looks like it's like a response, but I'm sure it's not because obviously these deals take months to 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 conclude. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. It's um, I, I yeah I, I don't have a strong opinion either way. I just 
hope that you know with all the stuff that's been happening back to vision that this is a step in the right direction management wise that you know that's all going to get refreshed and and sorted out so that it can be a better place for the people that work there yeah i'm of the same kind of mindset where if i can see some silver linings it's because of the issues internally with Activision and Blizzard, uh, with toxicity in their environment, with its Bobby Kodak, you know, at the top, if they can, if this can be used as a way to uh, clean house, that's a positive. And it seems like uh, Xbox is interested in doing that. I know Bobby Kotick is signed on to handle this this changing of hands. So he'll be there for the next year. And then when it goes through, he will leave the company. So stuff like that is positive for Activision. There's also talk of them bringing back various uh properties that they own and not just working full force on like uh, call of duty which they've had a lot of teams just work on that as they have to pump them out basically every year every other year so now hopefully they could slow down these also what the tricky part about that is that these games make so much money i don't foresee them changing up too much because they want that that revenue stream still but um maybe if they can yeah let these teams breathe and work on stuff say like tony hawks pro skater is on there um, they also now it's crazy that Xbox owns Crash and Spyro, so that's a that's a trip. So, but maybe they can spend more time on those properties again. So there is some positives there. It's just also weird when one company starts to own quite a bit. You know, a lot of these properties that were um, third party, and so now potentially we're getting these games that are locked onto Xbox. So that's a bit of a bummer, and it's not as consumer friendly, but. Also, Xbox has their Game Pass, and these games are going to go there, and that is consumer friendly. It's super cheap, and you get to play all these games. It's uh, it's a lot of stuff at once, so it's going to be interesting. And then you have the, uh, the PlayStation aspect to this. Uh, are they going to be locked out of these games? Um, there is some news on that. So we have some reports from uh, Phil Spencer of that week. He did tweet out, because it let a couple days ride before when the you know, internet was asking questions without a lot of information. So he did tweet later that week saying... Had good calls this week with leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. So it looks like we're getting these games, at least for the time being, you know, cross-platform. Do you foresee them locking a lot of these games to Xbox or do you think they're going to keep some of these games cross-platform? I don't know. I think it's a a similar conversation to when they acquired bethesda as well where it's like well are they gonna you know lock these games to xbox and then miss out on the money that they'll make from these games selling on on playstation uh but obviously it looks like they they don't they didn't care about that but i think call of duty is perhaps a different beast um like business wise um i think if it was me again i don't know i don't, I don't know anything about business but call of duty is like ridiculously high selling um right so to miss out on a huge portion of those sales would be pretty insane to me. But again, I don't know. I I, I don't know how this all works and where you know how well Microsoft do from all these things. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I I, I I wouldn't want to kind of make a prediction just because I'm. It's, it'd be so ill informed that it, I wouldn't have like any kind of even reason to to go one or the other way. But I think it's exciting because hopefully from like an outside point of view as well, Microsoft can probably see the kind of, uh, not disdain, but the kind of route that Call of Duty is going down um, and hopefully use that to their advantage to relaunch it, reboot it. Um, and because anything they now do with Activision's properties will benefit Xbox. So. Um, you'd hope that it 
it just means that whether or not they're going to be exclusive to Xbox, hopefully we'll see more, uh, you know, better entries in these series, maybe some more time on them and some more effort and, uh, well, maybe not effort, but, you know, something something that, that, that will improve the series because it, it's no secret that uh, each entry seems to be getting, you know, less and less uh, well-received. Um, I'm sure they're still selling incredibly well, but, um, but yeah, I, I think... I think it's, it's it's massively positive whether or not they don't go to PlayStation or not. At the end of the day, like I said, there's so many games now that I don't, I personally don't, can't imagine it being massively effective one way or the other. Because if they do make it exclusive, then I'm sure by that time that happens, there will be another game that's the new craze and that's on PlayStation. So it's just so, everything's so fickle. And I think it's easy to look far ahead and be like, oh, this game's not going to be on this platform. What about those people who only have that platform? But by the time that actually happens, there'll be so many games that we don't even know exist at the moment. Um, so from that perspective, I, I I don't really, I'm not worried for people. Um, I'm definitely of the opinion that in the current climate, it's worth having both if you can, whether that's a PC and a PlayStation or a PlayStation and a Series S or, you know, which are very affordable as we both know. Um, I yeah I I uh, I just don't see the massive deal with exclusivity personally. Gotcha, and it's really it shows Xbox is just absolutely focusing on improving their catalog to then strengthen Game Pass. Like that's what seems to be driving all this is that um, they want all this content they need now to feed the subscription, just like Netflix, where they have all these uh, with Netflix in general, they have all this stuff in the pipeline content coming out to keep you subscribed. And this is now Xbox one, the same idea where they're gobbling up everything they can to keep you uh, engaged so that every month there's at least something that's on your radar to keep you subscribed. And that's their focus. Now it's just uh, as many subscribers as they can get. So there must be a lot of money made there. I know they've put out uh, different reports and there's a lot of revenue they generate from game pass. So it's a big deal. And apparently it, it um, is a bigger deal than actually getting full out, you know, people buying retail copies of games. So it's been working out for them. I know there's a lot of debate early on where it's like, how long is this sustainable with not getting as many sales from games traditionally, but it seems like they, they crunch the numbers and they know what they're doing and this is their focus now. And it's wild. Uh, it also brings up a lot of questions out there about because well, let's assume some of these games or most of these games will be locked to Xbox. Do you think then we'll ever see this, shaking of hands where a game pass is allowed to be on PlayStation. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that there is necessarily this animosity between the two companies that so many people kind of imagine and, and create. I, I really just can't. I just don't think that the kind of man babies you see kind of picking sides are the kind of yeah. people running these companies. Um, I think it, at the end of the day, it's just about making money which it always is for these companies um i mean you like to think that or i, I certainly like to think that they're the, the, a lot of the decisions are made also for the consumer and i think with things like game pass it's difficult to imagine that they're not in mind for that because it is just such an incredible deal like not even thinking about what's going on in the background or you know any of, of that kind of stuff it's, it's an incredible incredible deal and I, I feel like I'm stealing from them every time I, I look at that list of games. Um, but yeah, I, I I I think if it was possible to put Game Pass on PlayStation, and I'm sure they would do it, I just think that there might be lots of issues because it, it would just be so confusing, I think, as well. 
um, mm. having something like Game Pass on the PlayStation, just because there is a separation between the two, but not in a way that I certainly don't see that separation in a way that some people see it, where it's like picking sides. They are just simply two different manufacturers and they have their own thing and PlayStation have their own thing. Not all businesses think the same, not all businesses have the same idea of how they want to operate. And I think that's all it boils down to. And, you know, these two companies, you know, Nintendo included as well, they they all do things their own way. And that's why they're all still their own entities. If, if they all wanted to put, you know, do things the same way, then we would have like one games console and that would be it. Um, and I think that, yeah, and so I mean, it'd be cool to have Game Pass on PlayStation. I just don't know how it would work because mm. you've got Xbox games, which you know have things like achievements, and then PlayStations have their own ecosystem of trophies, and then you've got uh, I've got an Xbox account and a PlayStation account. How would that work? How would they combine? I just don't think it's like logistically an option. But you know, if there was a way to do it, then I think it'd be great. I just am not smart enough to know how you know see how that would work if if it would and um but yeah i i certainly i think it's easy to sort of look at it like oh well you know they wouldn't put game pass on playstation because they hate playstation and i know that a lot of people you know think that and i i, I would really hope that that's not true <laughs> i really hope that adults run those uh you know companies but um yeah i think it's an interesting concept and i know that there's been talk about it on Nintendo as well and, you know, xCloud and things going to Nintendo, um, which I think would work better simply because Nintendo don't really have an online ecosystem. They don't really have like a a social aspect necessarily. I could be wrong. I don't really play on uh, Nintendo, but I know that they, they don't, don't have things like, yeah, they don't have like things that are linked to a profile apart from games. Um, you know, they don't have their own achievement system. They don't have, you know, uh, these kinds of things um so yeah I, I i don't know but yeah i, I just can't imagine it from a, like a technical logistical point of view i just can't see it ever working just because they are completely separate entities yeah i think nintendo fully understands what the internet is so they're like locked into 10 years ago um although the it's funny where the rumors for game pass being on something else besides xbox they originated with uh, the switch it was like two years ago there was strong rumors there were every couple months that they're making a deal possibly we're going to see xbox on switch but it never unfolded and now that rumor has or that conversation has switched to well we see it on playstation but you're right where i don't think the hurdle is oh it's x company versus this company and so we can't work together no i think it's logistically how would this work you bring up good, brought up good points where you have your achievements and you have to run this like smaller streaming or like this uh, emulation software like within a console and then replicate stuff within what if you're playing online so it's like inception almost with these tiers yeah. within one console it's like how does that work so maybe the hurdle is just like just physically, how are we going to get this to run on the on the console? And that's on PS5, which is a powerful machine. I'm, I'm assuming it would only be on PS5, but it's a powerful, powerful machine. They have to figure out the inner workings. On Switch, that seems less likely, even though the rumor started there. That's just this little donkey piece of plastic that like they don't already have such a weak internet infrastructure and focus online. So it's like, how would they even get it to work? So maybe Nintendo wanted it, but they just couldn't figure it out. But that's the real hurdle is just like getting these things to physically work but it's it's definitely possible and i think these companies if they can shake hands and like get a cut off whatever subscription that comes in then they would do it so it's just a matter of can this physically yeah. work yeah of done. course i'm sure they would do it if it was possible but the problem is these two 
ecosystems have existed and taking completely different directions for years now. And, you know, they, they've just, they've been around for so long, you know, you've got, especially it's even more obvious on Game Pass where you've got like original Xbox games on there. You know, these, 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 these ecosystems have existed for so long now that you can't just combine them because they're so separate and they have been for so long. If this was like games had just been invented, then of course, you know, if this is the first generation of games, they'd be, I'm sure it'd be much, much easier to, to look at and, and right. think about. The problem is back when these systems were first like a thing, it was never about, you know, subscription services didn't even exist, not even fathomable um, in, in how they exist today. Um, so it's just, it's just that it's been too long that these ecosystems have existed apart. That it's now essentially impossible from, from my point of view to combine the two because they are just so separate and they have been for so long. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they'll, I'm sure it's being looked into and they'd figure it out if, if they want to spend the time and, and do that, if there's a reason for it. But yeah, that's a conversation. And I think it's, it is possible, but yeah, it's, it's a ton of work yeah. to, to make yeah. it, uh, viable and playable and where you don't feel any difference it's all running you know one for one um but yeah it's crazy it was just a was a big drop on like a monday morning that they announced that so it's pretty huge um another uh equally big uh announcement was and that uh, you mentioned before it uh the conversation after the activision acquisition from xbox was what does sony need to do in response should they you know do something just like they're just buying something at uh, you know at 2 a.m online to like respond to it and then we get news of the of the Bungie acquisition. So Sony buys Bungie for 3.6 billion. So I have the details here from IGN. Sony Interactive Entertainment has announced it will acquire Destiny developer Bungie for 3.6 billion. Gamesindustry.biz reports that following the deal, Bungie will be run as an independent subsidiary of SIE and will remain a multi-platform studio with the option to self-publish and reach players where they choose to play. So Calum, similar to the last one, how do you feel about this? Um, this one is a different approach where we're getting a lot more information out the gate and they're really um, being... Uh, revealing as far as they're allowing Bungie to remain, you know, someone independent where they can um, produce games, multi-platform, a different kind of direction that Xbox has gone with some of their acquisitions. But how do you feel about Sony buying out Bungie? Yeah, I think um, it was perhaps uh, not obvious, but if I remember correctly, Bungie were owned by Activision, weren't they? And then they managed to kind of break off yeah, they were either owned or they had some kind of deal together. And so they were able yeah. to leave that deal about a year ago, maybe about two years ago. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, Bungie were, were probably going to be acquired at some point uh, by someone. Um, I think it's good. I think it's good for the studio, especially. I mean, they've got huge financial backing now and security as well, um, which is nice. And um, yeah, it's exciting. And, and it's it's exciting to see what's going to happen simply because it'd be interesting to see if PlayStation use this company uh, or this studio to um, maybe tackle, I mean, I, I, I don't play Destiny, so I don't know how good it is or how like invested people are into it, how, what the future of it looks like. But I straight away was, was just thinking it'd be really cool to see Bungie tackle a, a new resistance game or, you know, something like that, because, you know, we talk about it a lot. It's difficult to kind of, see who would take a resistance game because obviously insomniac have got their hands full with um lots of other stuff and um and i think bungie would be a really really cool uh you know studio to take that on i know that they're a very different company or different team that worked on halo 
probably completely different. Um, but I think when you look at Destiny, you know, it's a solid science fiction first person shooter. I think it's an interesting acquisition just because of Sony's properties that have been like dormant for so long, kind of fitting into that kind of uh, identity that Bungie have. Um, but yeah, so I, I, again, I think I just kind of look at it from the perspective of what does, you know, what does this mean for the games that are going to come out now? How is this going to influence that? And I think both for the Microsoft and Activision thing, I think it means Activision's games are probably going to be held at a much higher quality now, I'd, I'd hope, just because Microsoft have a lot more, not at stake, but, you know, they're really trying to show, you know, the Xbox is a great place to play games. And if Activision continue down the path, they were continuing down especially with the fiasco with Diablo, Call of Duty not being received well, um, then it would not look good for them. And similar, I guess, with PlayStation and Bungie, it's just a massive opportunity now to use these super talented studios, massive studios as well, to just release great games. And I think when you've got somebody like PlayStation or Xbox kind of under the spotlight with these games, there's probably more of a chance that, that these games are going to be better quality um i'd hope um but yeah i mean i don't know the annoying thing is I, I really don't know much about destiny um i didn't like the first one but i've heard the second one is a lot lot better i know a lot of people really enjoy it um so i could be like just completely wrong um and not and not anticipate how big destiny really is and so maybe destiny 3 is like a no-brainer but i personally just think it's a really interesting acquisition just because of these dormant series that have been like mysteriously dormant i think resistance right. is a lot more so than Killzone. um but yeah it's uh it'll be it's just really interesting to see what this means for the games that are going to be coming um you know i'm lucky enough to have an xbox and a playstation so i don't have to worry about what this means exclusive wise um it, i'm just excited to see you know these big companies backed with these big powerhouse companies and what that means for the games yeah no it's um i have the same um wonders about the future with this and some uh, w once this news dropped it was uh, a lot of people online going okay you know kill zone resistance by bungie like that'd be insane but also then we get news from uh jim ryan saying that okay we're gonna let them really decide what they want to do as they've been doing and they can choose to be cross-platform so i guess if they did have those conversations of do you want to help us, you know, uh, uh, revise or bring back these properties back to life, but then they have to stay PlayStation. I guess they'd make those deals behind the scenes, but um, that'd be nuts if they, because that's a, you know, what what a fantastic team to have work on this. They know first person shooters. I played a lot of Destiny Two, loved it. Um, didn't uh, catch on with the DLC, but these are solid experiences that that millions of people love to play. And I also think of when you when you brought up that idea of them tackling something like resistance like uh, i think in terms of e3 you know hype trailers and if you had ether's dead now but if you i can't imagine like the response from seeing a trailer where you watch one of the helgen come out of the dark with their with their glowing red eyes it goes to black and it just says bungee like oh dude lights the internet on fire like that'd be nuts and yeah, i'm so excited really. for just that trailer alone just make that trailer just to make me happy and then never make <laughs> yeah. the game and then, and then just don't even make the game yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's uh yeah i think that's i think that's the thing that people don't it's so easy especially in like the echo chamber of like twitter just to just to look at these things from like a a rivalry kind of i just don't get it like it's so much better like i just be excited for what this means for the games coming out because that's that's what the consoles are for and i think that's what right. 
people forget about it's just like it's so it's just about nitpicking now about nitpicking what these companies do as if they care about like like what you what one you play they just care about making money at the end of the day and hopefully uh further down the line about making good games um so i think that's just the main thing that people should concentrate on and obviously people like to be to be uh the way they are online um but yeah it's um it's definitely interesting and i think um something like destiny as well is 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 even more interesting because i know that they've supported destiny 2 for a long time i know that there's like dlc still coming out for it it's kind of an mmo kind of thing um so who knows maybe they'll continue doing stuff for destiny 2 and then work on something else that's you know perhaps a playstation property um whilst I think they have 2 to they gotta yeah um it, it's it's really exciting um and i think it's a shame that it's kind of being uh boiled down to such like just argumentative uh reasons but yeah i mean i and again i, I could be it could be that i'm completely wrong and that this is all awful and everything like that business-wise and it's uh you know i know i've seen a lot of people saying it's like monopoly more monopolization and all of that but you know if you look at like what so many companies so there's so many companies that own like so many companies you don't even know are owned by yeah. other you know people so it's just yeah i think it's easy to get hung up on that side of things when but what we should do is just just uh get excited about the games yeah and it's you mentioned the just the weird trolling or toxicity it's it's prevalent it's like linked into the dna of for some reason just like the games industry not the industry but like the fan reception it's always it's like what is your favorite team and you'll defend them no matter what and it becomes this weird thing online but it's just something that has grown in the past at least from maybe with the rise of the internet too that's probably part of it and just stuff like being able to post uh, anonymous you know on twitter whatever create these memes it's it's just increased so much in the past 15 years where yeah people go to go to bat for these like they're like they have a stake in these companies and it's like like they build their lives around them it doesn't really matter at the end of the day as long as the games are good as long as you still can play them like and this is good news with with Destiny, where with with Bungie, rather, where right out the gate they're saying they can still make their own decisions. It's cross platform. They they put a lot of these questions uh, to bed right off the bat, so it seems like they can still do what they want. It's not something that's tied to that console, yeah. so it's a win for everybody. And then they have you mentioned the financial backing. They're going to be set. They can work on whatever they want, and so it's a positive. It is kind of like a difference as well, because I mean, Bungie, I haven't necessarily done anything wrong um, in terms of like their game i hear i hear good things about destiny 2 and and everything like that so it makes sense to just be like that we'll we'll financially back you obviously playstation will make um uh money off of it as well um but yeah i mean there's no reason to stop what they're doing they seem to be doing everything fine i think it's nice that, that they get that backing and can still be independent and i think that's you know how from what i've heard how a lot of these first party studios feel they still feel like an independent studio which is always good um whereas with the blizzard one that's a bit more like activision blizzard is a bit more like right we need to rein you in <laughs> yeah. and uh you know make sure that you're you know get all the all your series are, are top quality and and that you're you know running things nicely and and that your people are happy hopefully is the the plan with that but so they are very different in in that regard you've got one company that seemed to be doing things right so it's kind of like you know 
keep carry on and with Activision it's a bit like right you guys need a smacked bottom and uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it'll be yeah it'll be interesting either way to to see what happens yeah it's kind of like um xbox bought a uh you know used car that has a lot of potential but it's it takes a lot of work to get it back up and running with but compared to bungie has is more of this you know streamlined sports car that's that's really functioning on its own tray to go and although the used car was somehow more expensive but um although bungie we can't forget that they have their own issues with like internal toxicity too that was in the news a couple months ago so it's like these big huge studios it seems like the more people you have on board and the more you don't really address higher up you know um work environment within the higher ups and how it trickles down. It's like you have these issues, but yeah, we can't forget that Bungie has their own stuff too, but I think it's not on the scale as what Activision was dealing with, but still it seems like it's, it's prevalent in the industry and it's hard to, it's another thing that you, it's hard to unravel, but it needs to be done with these big studios. Yeah. I think, I think I'm f- like very unfortunately with the games industry, you just have to assume that most of these companies are just full of these stupid, toxic clicks and, right. uh, you know the, the the way that people are and the way that gamers are you know people into games the way that they are famously you know we're talking about the toxicity online that's all from gamers i'm not right. saying it's just them but and you know these are also the kind of people who work in the industry and it's awful and and horrible but it, and and it has got to the point now where you do just have to assume that it's likely going on at these companies and something does need to be done 100 percent and hopefully you know with with both these companies the the new management will hopefully do something about it but it's got to the point now where you just can't you just it's difficult to have confidence in in that happening um fortunately and yeah we can only just kind of sit and hope it's like it's like sitting there whilst like a an asteroid is coming to the planet and you're just like what can we what can we do about it i hope somebody takes care of it i don't know yeah exactly yeah so it's, it's awful um and it is a real shame that it it has kind of just got to the point where you can so easily assume that um that, that it's going on in the majority of these companies because gamers are the worst people in the world <laughs> yeah pretty much i guess uh not to go on a tangent on that side of things but with the toxicity in in uh game dev um uh, it seems like as bad as, it, as bad as it is, at least um, like 10, 15 years ago, we weren't hearing about this stuff on IGN, on these big um, outlets. It wasn't covered in the news. There wasn't like these crazy lawsuits in the news. So that, that stuff was just like swept under the rug if it was even uh, attended to at all. It was just happening. So now we yeah. get all this stuff as it's happening. There's a way for the community to respond online and to shame and to push these studios to do something about it. So now at least it's, it is still happening, but like there's way more attention on it. So that is a positive and it's something that's actively being done. But you know, years ago it was just, you never heard about it and people just had to deal with it and people wouldn't get hired in the, in the, in the process. Like, but now it's, it's way better. Although there's still a lot of work to be done. At least we are aware of it now compared to years ago. Like I had no idea, you know, growing up that this was happening and it definitely was. Yeah, it's becoming a lot more normal as well to call it out and speak right. up about it. And I think that's what we can do. I think if you're, you know, if you don't say something about it, if you don't call it out, out of, you know, worry of what's going to happen, you know, to to your career or or to the person that you're, that, you know, you need to call out and, and say this about, then the more people do that, then hopefully the more people are less likely to do it because the, 
it's going to sound really like cynical, but these people are always going to exist and they're always going to be there. So we need to make, we need to create an environment where they don't feel like they can act in these ways. And right. that's why the problem is with these like cliques and, you know, these groups of people who feel like they can act in certain ways because they're around other people <clears throat> who are like-minded. So I think that the more we, we call it out and make it a less safe space to act that way, I think that's all we can do. But, you know, it's, it's not something that can be done overnight and um, just need to yeah carry on. Yeah, being better and and being confident in yeah in calling it out when we can and and yeah trying to make sure that yeah people don't feel comfortable acting like an arsehole essentially yep. i agree i agree calm we'll move on to the next one here speaking of goblins and ghouls within the industry we have a game that's based on that where you get to actually um, hurt them. So that's cool. Um, so we got some information on really a, qu- a pretty long state of play with Ghostwire Tokyo. And we got a release date, March 25th, coming to PS5 and PC. Um, so I have the, the link if you want to scrub through the video as we're watching. I don't know if you've seen this footage already, but this for me, it feels like the first like real deep dive into a lot of the gameplay, the mechanics, and I'm way more hyped for this game. But how do you feel about seeing some more of Ghostwire Tokyo? Yeah, I didn't actually watch this or know it even happened. Um, yeah, it was this week. So, but I'm just kind of going through it now. And, it and it's a long nice. one. So it's actually the full length of the state play was like 20, 30 minutes. So half of it is gameplay. The other half is more like um, in-depth talks with the, with the studio, with the devs involved and content stuff. But um, it just looks really rad. Yeah, it does. Look, it does look really cool just looking at the... Um, the sort of gameplay yeah i mean march again that's that's so soon um it's just yeah it's difficult to remember that we're in 2022 and all these games are are coming out like tomorrow um yeah it looks really cool i I don't know if i'll end up picking it up just because there are so many games but maybe you know if i'll sit down and watch this and i'll I'll, you know i might feel differently um but yeah it's it's nice to hear that it is coming so soon because did we even have a release date before we did, and so they were shooting for 2021. It was pushed out uh, without a new date, and now we get the state of play confirming just, what, a month, a little over a month away. Uh, there was some criticism online saying, are they putting this out to die, just trying to get it out of the gate because of that deal with Bethesda, because Tango is is owned by Bethesda and now Xbox. But um, I don't know how I feel about that, because it is coming out soon. Um, it's always a question of, like, with marketing, how soon is too soon to announce the date? and show more gameplay it's like but then you risk of you run the risk of if you announce it too early then there's like all this time and you lose that momentum i don't know but we're getting it soon yeah it looks uh, very interesting um the animations of the hands are really cool um yeah it looks looks uh, very strange <laughs> um but yeah it looks it looks pretty awesome yeah yeah did you play um the evil within series at all i didn't i started the first one um and I just didn't, I just didn't carry on with it. Um, I've heard they're great though. Um, and they're yeah. definitely up my street. I, I do like survival horrors, but I have a weird thing where I love survival horrors, but I just get so scared. And it's, it's like such an annoying, it's like, you know, loving spicy food, but not yeah. being able to eat it kind of thing. Um, right. I really struggle to play uh, scary games, but I love playing them. So um, I think that's probably some, somewhere where my relationship with Evil Within was cut short just because uh, I need to be in like the right frame of mind before I, uh, I tackle a, a scary game. 
Yeah, and that's the same way with the any kind of Souls game. They always look beautiful, look really cool, but I'm too dumb to actually play them. They're way too hard. But um, this one, it looks more more actiony, so it seems like it's something you could actually handle a bit more. Because uh, I'm in the same boat, but this looks a little more like you have a bit of uh, just have more powers, you know, stuff up up your sleeve to actually fight these creepy things. But um, I didn't play Evil Within, but apparently this started off as Evil Within three then transition into this newer newer property but i love the you mentioned the hand animations with how you're creating these attacks um just looks really cool really unique and the setting is, is awesome if you focus on like any of those enemies you're fighting they're all so unique on their own they could be their own horror movie basically with like every enemy that you see on screen it's like they could be their own movie if they wanted to um and, and it looks gorgeous too to boot i think there's ray tracing going on everything's reflecting super neon vibrant Looks really rad. It does. It does look uh, really good, actually. Yeah, spent some time, you know, this week going because it, there's it, a lot of footage. So they dropped a, a bunch, yeah. and I feel like this is we've seen this game showing off various you know E3s and press conferences, but not a lot of like here's some actual in-game gameplay, you know, uncut, and we get that that we got that now, and it's um, really cool. And I'm um, this is back on my radar. I kind of forgot about it. Didn't have a lot of interest, but now it's back up there. Yeah, we got that state of play. Speaking of state of plays, we got another one. I don't know if you watched any of this, but we got GT7 at its own state of play. So it's coming out March 4th, which is also very soon. Uh, Game Informer has some of the details here, but there's also a link to some of the gameplay. Did you get to catch any gameplay of uh, this GT7 state of play? I did. I did look at a little bit of this, actually. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it looks brilliant. Um, I, I, do, I do really like uh, racing games. I don't maybe talk about them that much, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I, especially track races like uh, Gran Turismo, they're definitely my favorite kind of racer games. And yeah, it looks it looks really, really impressive. I've got to say very, very classy um, sort of looking game. And uh, I'm really, really excited to see how it plays with the dual sense as well. I think that'll be a massive, massive um, sort of win for it. And I'm excited to see as well that, that there's not as many cars um, as... Uh, like Gran Turismo 5, which I think was the last one I properly played. I remember that had like over a thousand cars, but the mm. problem was because there were so many, they didn't focus on a lot of them. And there were a lot of cars that you didn't even have like a cockpit view of, whereas this is a bit more focused. Um, yeah. And uh, I think when it comes to a racing game, it's more important to have a, you know, a, a more manageable roster of cars rather than just going for sheer numbers. Um, but yeah, it looks really cool. The livery editor looks great as well um yeah really really looking forward to this i don't know if i'll pick it up day one i don't even know um you know how it's coming out whether it's going to be i know there's always talk about like free to play with grand Turismo games but i think i'll definitely pick it up at some point uh because yeah it looks it looks brilliant yeah i think this is just like a standard 70 dollar you know ps5 release it's also on ps4 i don't know i think this uh passes that time frame of originally the launch games for ps5 we're going to be uh, a free upgrade from PS4 to PS5. I think this is out of that window. Um, so this is going to be just, you know, locked at the standard price for PS5 games. But uh, no, I agree with everything you're saying. looks beautiful. Uh, these games aren't up my alley. They're so um, focused on racing sim and very detailed and, you know, airing up your tire and changing your oil. It's just like, it's a lot for me. So I love the arcade aspect of, say, like Forza uh, Horizon. But these games are so just visually stunning and there's so much attention to detail. It always kind of piques my interest where I'm like, maybe this would work, 
But just going back to the Souls games again, it's like they do enough to make me think, oh, this one I'm going to be able to play. It's like, no, this is also going to be brutally just detailed and tough. Or maybe it's more, there's some arcadey aspects. I'm hoping. I want to see some reviews and see some impressions. But um, man, it looks uh, really, 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 really good. Um, I do love the, just for going off of the state of play alone, it's such a different like tempo and mood from say the biggest comparison being like Forza Horizon where Forza Horizon is like going to a rock concert. You're just like sweaty and bumping yeah. elbows people and the music is blaring right in front of you with uh, Gran Turismo, at least with Seven. It's like you're watching an opera, you know, like a classical performance. It's very just like mellow and chill. But because there's so much attention to every aspect of it, at some point in state of play, they just start talking about weather and how weather works. But like separate from the game, it's like, here's how weather and molecules work and then transition. And oh yeah, we have a weather aspect in the game too. It's like, they just spent all this time digging into the minutia and it's really cool. I at least respect that part of the series, but I don't know if this is for me at the end of the day. Yeah, it's very, there's a lot of, you know, very clever people who know what they're doing working on these games. And I think that that's perhaps obviously not been missing from the series because they've always been there, but I think just hasn't been brought to the forefront enough for people to jump in and and enjoy i think a lot of the time gran turismo is like a slow burner it will if you give it the time then you'll probably get something you know really great out of it but it does take that time and so hopefully this is a little bit more streamlined a bit easier to jump into the menus still look a little bit uh, uh confusing maybe um but yeah it's hopefully it'll it'll be a, a bit easier to jump into i think the dual sense will just make such a huge difference as well because it'll be like an instant new kind of feeling that you've never had before so i think that that will probably help um, um as well but yeah i'm really really excited um and yeah like you said i think i really liked the new forza horizon game but it just grated on me so much like with the really cringy dialogue and the just the there was just a lot of it that was just so it's just not what i want from a racer game personally i mean i love the racing's great and everything but you know, I like to get in a race, get out, get back into a menu, sort my car out, get into the next race. Um, the whole like cutscenes and weird characters that you meet in Forza and stuff is just, it just really grated on me. So I'm looking forward to having like a proper, you know, motorsport game um, that, that's going to, you know, take advantage of a lot of things that the, the PS5 can do as well. Yeah. Horizon, they hand you, uh, like a beer and you shotgun it, you know, where you cut the key thing and the, that's what they do. And then Gran Turismo, they hand you an espresso and like a you yeah. know, biscotti yeah. cookie. And it's very just, uh, um, just, just classical and, you know, very respectable and all that yeah. and different moods. Yeah. And I just love the, how they differentiate from each other. And they've always done that. It's just like, because Horizon's so big now, it's a big comparison to, uh, Gran Turismo. Cause that's also been such a huge racing sim ever since the first PlayStation. So it's, yeah. that's such a, you know, uh big title you know and association tied to it so uh it's interesting yeah i'm the same way with those triggers the the actual dual sense that could be a, a huge uh um deal maker where if they focus on those features because a lot of the games that do support it it's cool you'll feel some of the vibration and stuff but they don't go into full just like unlocking what could be done or maybe there is a limit what could be done this is a game where i feel just replicating the feel of the vibrations of the car and the the brakes locking up the the steering wheel like if they can replicate that with a dual sense that could be something that brings me over yeah and there's always been like a massive attention to detail with the sort of audio so that's in turn gonna create a huge attention to detail to the haptics as well so i am expecting something pretty pretty impressive with with that um so hopefully it doesn't doesn't fall short in that area 
Yep. So we're getting it soon. Again, it's just a bunch of games being dumped on us March 4th for Gran Turismo 7. I'll move on to Sifu. Uh, this game um, is actually out now. Starting today, there's an early access. I think if you pre-ordered the game, otherwise fully comes out this Tuesday. Um, and some of the reviews have come out. So I was going to pull up some of the reviews here from Metacritic. So overall has an 81. GameSpot gives it gives uh, Sifu a 90, saying Sifu will likely ignite the difficulty debate once again. And it's certainly a shame that more people won't get to experience the game because of the barrier for entry. IGN gives it a 90, Game Byte gives it a 70. So a lot of the, um, I guess, complaints or some of the comments from this game, from the v- reviewers are saying that it's great. The actual combat mechanics are some of the most uh, engaging, fun uh, mechanics for fighting games that they've played, but it's also brutally hard. Um, so I don't know how you feel about that with Sifu. I did expect some learning curve, but it seems like it's a pretty steep learning curve. Yeah, I think for me... <sighs> I, I, I do like difficult games. I, I like them less now, I think, just because there's so much to play. But I think with something like Sifu, it seems a lot, there's a lot less. Um, it, it's why, you know, I like Sekiro because there's one way to play it. It's very learnable. And I think Sifu seems like that. It seems linear and, uh, you know, there's one, I imagine there's, you know, not very many ways to, to kind of play it. Um, so hopefully you know, the, the the learning curve might be really steep, but at least it's kind of tangible. You kind of know what you're learning. Whereas, it, and like, if you look at like Returnal, there's lots of factors like what, what weapon's best, what route is the best way to take. Whereas hopefully there should be a bit more, you know, you know exactly what you're trying to learn. You know exactly what you need to improve on. Um, and I think for me personally, that those kind of difficult games I, I enjoy. Um, so I think um, I didn't even know it was coming out this soon again. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think Sifu looks great, and I think I'll definitely give give this one a, a go. Yeah, some of the reviews were saying that um, to kind of compare it to Returnal. So Returnal does have that procedural generating aspect to it. It's always different every time, so you can luck out on a good loadout, or you can not have good luck on the loadout. Um, but with Sifu, it's all, everything's tailored. You know, the the levels are going to be the same every time you play them. The, diff, the enemies are the same. So even though it is harder to master, you can at least count on on the same um you know thing playing out every time so you can start to master that experience and then get used get uh, better and better at it to know what to do every time that you uh, encounter it and, and it does seem like the levels are open enough to where you can find the right way to assemble people towards you to then tackle situations so you can use that to your advantage um but the i guess some of the complaints were based on the dying aspect where you get older so you have a finite amount of times you could die before you're just you're out and you have to restart it and a lot of your progress is lost in the process so um it's i I knew that this was going to be tough just from watching the gameplay and i think i learned my lesson from returnal where i'll buy this on sale but um i'd like to see some more impressions on it see if maybe it is somewhat approachable for a dummy like me but it does look like it's it's going to be very very tough I'll uh, I'll prepare the thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So we got Sifu's out now. Uh there is a live action short they put out for the for the game to promote it. So I sent you a link, but um I'll just recommend people watch it. It's it's really good. It's just like this live action version of the of the game. It's pretty short, it's about 10 minutes, but um it's just done really well. Really, really cool. But there's that. So uh, we got some news on Horizon Forbidden West. It's coming soon. Some news on the actual file size. So it's a whopping 86 gigabytes on PS5. The news here is from pushsquare.com. Horizon Forbidden West will take a tremor tusk sized bite out of your PlayStation 5's SSD with the anticipated sequel weighing in at almost 86 gigabytes. According to data scraped from Sony servers, PlayStation game size reports that the release may be even larger in Europe with file sizes of over 96 gigabytes touted. 
And this is all prior to any potential launch day title updates. And Horizon Forbidden West comes out February 18th, PS4, PS5. Uh, Calum, you feel worried about this at all? Uh, how's your hard drive space lately on your PS5? Uh, I think it's all right, actually. It shouldn't be too bad. Um, and I was saying to you before, though, I've got so, I've got the supercharged internet now, so not too uh, not too intimidated. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I've said before, I wasn't massively excited for this just because I, for some reason, just forgotten everything that happened in the first game. Um, I spent one of the days I was dying uh, with COVID, uh, <laughs> just watching like like loads of different recaps of the first game um and yeah i feel much more up to speed again and i i definitely forgot how just how great that game was you know watching gameplay of it again and watching these people sort of explain what happens and kind of remembering what what uh, happened it, it's, it's such a i actually feel it's kind of like underlooked a little bit as well mm. um because I, I speak to a lot of people who say they didn't they couldn't get into it or didn't enjoy a certain thing about it and and I think I remember having a little bit of trouble getting into it, but when I did, you know, when it did click, it was, it's probably one of my favorite games on, on the PS4. And so now, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I have no, yeah, you know, worries that it's going to be anything but, but great. Um, yeah, really, really looking forward to it. And, uh, but yeah, I'll make sure I get the download on nice and early. <laughs> yeah. You have to tell me how long it takes with your super fast internet to download this 96 yeah. <laughs> gigabytes. Um, yeah. but I know when they first announced this, showed off uh, footage, might have been at an E3 years ago, um, that we got uh, first footage of the original Horizon. They had me at Robot Dinosaurs. I was like, okay, bet, I'm there. It just looks so cool. That's what tied me in early on. And then seeing just the open world aspect, how beautiful it is, the traversal is really cool. The story was always, at least the performances were a bit weird with some of the NPCs you talk to, um, but it seems like they have, at least with the stuff they've shown for Forbidden West, they focused on um, just making those more detailed and kind of bringing more life to the NPCs, the actual environments or worlds you'll walk in that are populated by people. They're just all doing stuff. And so I'm going to be as a person who nitpicks, I'm going to be finding the one guy who's like hammering a wood piece of wood for, for an hour. I'm going to find him and see if they've, they've carried that over from dying light too, but they would focus on like every aspect of this, of the original and just improving on it. And it just looks incredibly beautiful. There is, they did release PS4 footage uh, last week too. And it looks really great. So it's like, that was one of my issues too. It's like, how's this going to run, run on PS4? Looks like it's running fine. So I just cannot wait. It's, um, can't come fast enough. And this game just is going to be a juggernaut. I'm hoping that it does well sales wise, because maybe people do kind of forget about this property you mentioned where it's kind of underlooked and it does seem to be a little bit, but I think this is going to also launch it to that next level just seeing this because it's such a great example of what the ps5 can do just looking at footage it's insane yeah it's uh yeah i think it's very interesting to see how it's gonna perform on ps4 but um yeah from the trailers i've seen it looks uh yeah beautiful and uh yeah i'm sure it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome so i have a reminder for myself and for everybody too so this game is it was tied to the launch games for ps5 where they sony committed to a free upgrade from ps4 to ps5 horizon had gotten pushed and so there was a and i totally forgot about this but this is back in september there was some um anger online so sony said okay we're gonna let you upgrade this for free so if you go and buy the ps4 version you get the ps5 version for the same price so you don't have to pay those the extra 10 bucks so you have to i think you have to do it either on your phone or online you can't do it from your ps5 but you can get the ps4 version and upgrade for free so that's cool yeah yeah that's a that's a very very good uh good point i don't know why anybody would buy the ps5 version though um yeah if you can do yeah. that you would not buy it yeah 
Yeah, so I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'll have to try and do that to save some some pounds. Save some pounds, with Callum. Already, uh, uh, it's a little bit of news on uh, on GTA Five. Uh, we're getting the PS5 version officially coming March fifteenth. They for some reason show that off along with the reveal of the PS5. If you remember that back in a couple summers ago, they were very focused on that. But in addition to that, they also Rockstar has officially confirmed that they're working on GTA Six. People are very happy about that. Of course they were, but now they have actually said that they're working on it. So any thoughts on didn't, those? Didn't, didn't they like tweet it or something? Like they yeah. didn't even have anything to show. Bizarre, strange. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's GTA Five. It came out nearly ten years ago now. Um, so good, good for them. Good for them. Yeah, I imagine when the uh, GTA Six when they finally have some footage to show, and I feel like we're still a good two years away at least. When they do have some footage to show. It's gonna absolutely light the internet on fire with how massive GTA Five is. I wonder if they'll have GTA Online ready to go day one because GTA Online, I want to say, took a year after GTA Five. They took a while to work yeah. on that, and it was broken when it came as well. And it was broken. I remember. Yeah, but um, yeah, I uh, I'm just so fatigued with GTA. It's yeah, just, I know you are. As even like I, I remember when first playing it, I was even fatigued, like. In my first playthrough, I remember <laughs> it's one of those games where I was like, "Can this game just please end, please, please, yeah. please?" And now it's just carried on being part of everybody's life for ten years. Um, so hopefully, hope. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to GTA Six coming out just so that we can have like just something new uh, to see uh, instead of the same bloody game. And I've right. seen there's like so like Doctor Dre something like ridiculously cringe coming out uh, for it but. they did i think it already came out so they they um and it was a way for dr Dre to like premiere music so he premiered it within that dlc that game so you'd hear new music he's in the game and it's also a testament to how huge that game is where they have the biggest you know artist saying like yeah I'll, I'll just put my game out there i won't even release it it's a way to to reach people directly and not have to deal with you know, having them go on to Spotify where may arguably there's less money they could make versus that, you know, compared to releasing a game there like Fortnite, various artists will have a concert there. So just a testament of how huge these games and the industry itself is and it, you know, dwarfs, you know, the movie industry and the music industry completely. Yeah, it is quite scary. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know if you're going to be picking this up in, in March. Uh, they, I mean, they'll get my money, I'm sure, up. but I'm not, you know, <laughs> hold my breath. I'll just, once it comes out, cool, but... Yeah, I play these games inevitably. Yeah, we'll see in two years maybe something nuts is coming out. But <laughs> All right, Calum, moving on. We got uh, Sony Pictures Classics acquires rights to move being to a movie being painted in PS4 Game Dreams. This is from PushSquare.com. Sony Pictures Classics has acquired the distribution rights to A Winner's Tale, a movie which is being partly painted in PS4's Game Dreams. The extraordinary film is set in Bavaria during 1812 and follows the tale of a lovelorn poet who undertakes a hazardous walk across mountains, ice, and snow. A Winter's Journey is a romantic epic tale which blends live action with CG and painted animation. So the they're working on implementing aspects of dreams into this movie. Uh, how do you feel about this? I think that's really cool. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, the game that came packaged with dreams, which was kind of like a an interactive movie almost. Um, yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, I hope that they're doing it for actual like technical kind of reasons rather than just doing it because it's a Sony thing. But either way, it's it's really really cool that Dreams is being used in in that way. And I actually completely forgot <laughs> forgot about Dreams, but it's nice yeah. to yeah see it um, being used for for something. It's nice to see it being used for something because yeah, I don't think Sony has 
promoted it at all. And it's kind of a hard thing. We've talked about it numerous times, but it's a game engine, so it's hard to promote. But there's so much yeah. you can do with it. And it's wild that as this, I'm reading the article, it's the PlayStation 4 game dreams, but we have, because we still haven't got a PS5 version of this game, um, which is insane. And also, also, as we talked weeks ago about uh, PlayStation trying to get more into the PC market, dreams would be an absolute slam dunk if they did that. So I wonder if there's any talks to get dreams on, on PC. That's the, that should be the goal. Yeah. I think that was something that everyone kind of assumed was a done deal. Like it, it just seemed obvious that it'd be a great idea, but you know, maybe there's something behind the scenes that makes that more difficult than it seems. True. True. All right. Kind of moving along here. We got uh, Sony taking PSVR two pre-order signups through official website. It's from pushsquare.com. A new page on the official PlayStation website has been discovered Friday that focuses on PSVR 2. It covers everything we've known up to now, but most interestingly allows users to sign in with their PSN to be notified when PSVR 2 pre-orders roll out. So you can essentially get in on a pre-order before it's announced. Um, are you going to be doing that? I don't know. I'd have to see the price and also more games coming right. for it. But um, but yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. Um, but yeah, if, the, if it has the games, the exclusive games, and uh, you know, has a good demo, that I, I mean, I just basically need a reason to to choose that over my Oculus Quest Two, which right, I just can't imagine it being at the moment. But you know, you never know; they might uh, announce something that completely uh, blows that out of the water. Yeah, I at least threw my name in there and signed up, so I'm ready for it to go when there's pre-orders. Assumingly, if that's how this works, but. Um, yeah, I have no idea on the price or what the games are yet besides that horizon game they're making. So I just want to be in the mix in case, you know, they do in case the price is right. And those, those, uh, those, uh, pre-orders go live, but I imagine we're getting it this year. They're, I think they're kind of setting this up for a fall time or, you know, wintertime release, assuming that also the chip shortage can have them, you know, produce more than like 10 of these things when it comes down to it. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess they are kind of trying to, um, uh, with the mess of the PS5, which is still ongoing, um, I imagine they're trying to, uh, yeah, get get uh, sorted with that before before that becomes a thing again. Right. All right, come we'll end on this last one. So Bloodborne PSX. So this is a PC Bloodborne demake, and it came out this week. And there's tons of footage online. People have been playing it. Um, we might have talked about it when it was still like when they were working on it. Trailers have were released, but have you seen any footage? How do you feel about this Bloodborne demake? Yeah, I've seen uh, some of it. I think it's really cool. Um, it, it's very sort of well done. It's, um, I, mean, I'm not, I don't I haven't really looked into how it's done or anything like that, but it, it definitely looks like something you'd expect to see on, on PS1, uh, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I bet it runs at 60 FPS as well, whilst uh, the real Bloodborne still runs at 30. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's actually a ton of... So I booted up for a little bit on PC and it actually starts up with like the original PlayStation logo and PS1 startup screen. I don't know legally what they're, what's going on there, if they're going to get yeah. shut down, but they're just, they're just trying to mimic that feeling of playing an original PlayStation game and they nail it with like the scan lines. There's a ton of options so you can adjust how bad you want the game to look and run to like mimic a PlayStation 1 game. And you can actually yeah. turn off the frame rate cap so you can have this thing run at, you know, 200 frames, or whatever, or you can lock it down to like 20 frames. It's just a ton of options, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks great. Um, it must be so fun to do as well to kind of like have that reference and then just demake it. Um, it must be super, super fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very cool. Very, uh, very, uh, yeah, well done. Uh, you can definitely imagine it. On, uh, on PS1. It must be so difficult as well because I don't know whether they're able to like 
I guess they can create their own restraints so that it's easier to kind of know, uh, you know, what to use where. But I mean, there has to be a huge amount of thought that goes into it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And, um, it runs, you know, cool. And you can decide to make it run, uh, more shitty just to mimic that PlayStation feel. And it just looks cool too. Like it's, they nail that visual style of it running on a PlayStation and people love this property, um, so much. And PlayStation has completely just forgotten about it, which is insane to me, unless they have something crazy planned for it or blue points working on a, a remake or something or from will will take care of it. But yeah, it's, uh, it needs more attention. People, PlayStation needs to take this property seriously because people love this entry, this franchise. Is it, is it the whole game? Like all I the believe so. Everything. So that must be a lot of work. Yeah, and it's free too. So I don't know if the guy has a, the developer has some kind of GoFundMe or something to help him. But um, yeah, it's a free title you can download. That's That's incredible. Yeah, it's nuts. And then I have seen people talking about, because apparently Bloodborne has been somehow hacked and it's on PC. People have run like 60 frame versions of it, but taking the models from that and just put it into Bloodborne PSX so you can basically make that version of Bloodborne that people want that runs, you know, updated and has all these features and stuff. But it's taking the community to do, to do that because PlayStation has no interest in, in doing that for some reason. Yeah, they are a strange bunch. <laughs> yes. All right, Cam, we'll end it uh, there for the week. Where can they find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Bear Monroe. Ooh, very proper. And you can find us on Twitter as well <laughs> at Plastic Art Pod. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. See you later. You're too late. I've already summoned meteors. Okay, let's go.